The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Freaky Friday episode of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the trickster herself, the mighty, elusive Sasquatch, Alina. Tammy, the girl, Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. I'm a hide-and-seek champion. Yes, you are. <laughs> so, you know, I got to thinking of something before we did this episode here, is that my bass player actually owns his own scooter store. Um, and what I mean by scooters is he makes uh, scooters for like X Games. Uh, these are extreme scooters. And I want to give him a free plug. Okay. Like without a... Uh, uh, Not a butt plug? <laughs> no, man. Uh, uh, Matt is a phenomenal musician. And He's funnier than fuck, too. They all are, though. Oh, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I've, you know, I've seen his shop. I've seen his scooters and what he creates. And look, they look amazing. My fat ass wouldn't be on him because I'd break my fucking hip or something. But Probably. Check this out, boys and girls. Why don't you guys give it a give it a go, man? And check out TSI Scooters. Uh, it's an American-made uh, rolling scooter. Uh, check it out. You know, might be great for your kids. Based might out of Portland. Based out of Portland, Oregon. Um, great quality, man. And I, I will attest. I'll, I'll attest to that myself because I, uh, I, I see Tom a lot. <laughs> well, we all do because we work together with the band. But you um, mean Matt? That's what I said, right? You said Tom. Oh, Who geez. the fuck is Tom? That's his last name. His name is Matthew Tom. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Jesus Christ. I'm losing my mind. That's what it is. You kind of are. Because yeah, you're, you're infatuated by my beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I ruined that mic. <laughs> but check out TSI Scooters. Yeah, yeah, w, I, think, I can't remember the damn website now because I just looked at it. But yeah, just Google TSI Scooters and it'll pop right up. You can read their story. And uh, yeah, give them, give them a hand, man. That's, you know... It's no, oh, you're fucking hilarious. I'm just trying to help a brother out, and you're being a smartass. <laughs> no, I like Matt. All right, so you lured me in with this Kendall Francois. Yes, the Poughkeepsie killer. Not to be confused with the Poughkeepsie, the Poughkeepsie tapes that we covered way back that's, when. That's what I said earlier. So didn't yeah. we do something called the Poughkeepsie tapes, and it was like a bullshit fucking movie? Yeah, it was a bullshit mockumentary that I believe though <laughs> it was about halfway over. And what I thought was funny is we're sitting on my couch, and I. I can pick things apart because yes, I know psychology. you can ruin a wet dream. Well, it's because I'm, I'm very familiar with psychology because I have a degree in psychology. And I've, I I see patterns. I see inconsistencies. And I see just different things. Like, no, the, the, if this guy was killing like this, and he wouldn't kill like this because that's not in the same. Yeah. You know, or or the, the, the progression isn't the same. Or this isn't the same. You're not going to do these things right here. Yeah, because he went from what? That child to a couple? Right, right yeah. to a couple, and then he's getting all devious in his very next morning. No, you're not going to do yeah. that. Fuck and then all. he holds a girl hostage as a sex slave for years. <laughs> that happened to me, actually. It's called marriage. <laughs> you were hostage or she was? I was. I was a fucking <laughs> hostage. I was just hoping for the sweet, sweet taste of death. <laughs> this man broke in and said, we're either going to kill you or we're going to kill her. I would step in front of that gun and go, please, for the love of God, end Me. it. Right here, right now. You know what? Take my guitar collection. It's cool. Just fucking just end it. That's right. Thankfully, yeah. thankfully. Because I have a gut feeling that my ex-wife, my last one, listens to this show. Oh, she might. I really do think that she does. And now she probably figured out that I'm living my best life now. Yeah, because I'm here. No, no, not because of you. It's because of my girlfriend and because... 
my company's growing. Yeah. Exponentially. And I fucking love that. But I digress. Let's get into uh, Kindle Francois. Because I'm part of your life, too. Shut up. No, I, I, honestly, and I've said this before. I always give you credit. You you take you care do. of a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes shit that I honestly yeah. do not have time to take care of myself. Yeah. And I wish I did, but I, I don't. I, don't I know. I'm busy. I know. Seven-day-a-week working bullshit. I know. So, okay, let's get into Kendall Francois. Yeah. Now, Kendall Francois was born in July, on July 26, 1971. So he's about our age. In Poughkeepsie, New York. He was a promising football player for Arlington High School. I mean, after all, he was, he, I mean, measured in at six foot four inches tall and weighed in at 250 pounds in high school. He actually topped out at 380 pounds later. Now, in the left corner, the beast at 300. The beast from the east. God damn, that's a big, I'm a big dude. But fuck, yeah, Jesus well, when you see Christ. his picture, he's huge. So when he graduated in 1989, he stopped pursuing football and enlisted in the U.S. Army. In 1990... As what, a tank? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. In 1990, he graduated from basic training. Well, and I'm, I'm not fat shaming. I'm not, I'm not fat no, shaming no, at all. No, he's... I mean, and I'm not saying he's fat either. He's just huge. Right. Well, okay, here's the thing. Like, because I was, I, I was talking to Don and a couple other people, and they go, well, we don't want to listen to your... Not Don. Don listens to the show, but... Uh, other people go, we don't like your show because occasionally you fat shame. And look here, guys. I'm a fat fucker myself. Accept who you are. If you don't like who you are, change that shit. Quit eating Doritos and fucking cookies. I got to take that Quit. advice for myself. Quit but. sitting in the beanbag in your living room, licking Cheeto dust off your fingers. While watching porn. <laughs> that's that's my hobby. Um, <laughs> no, it's just... Yeah, his orange dick attests to that. <laughs> But if you don't like who you are, just fucking change it, man. I'm I'm not out here purposely trying to make anybody feel bad about being fat or being too skinny or having big tits or small tits or or anything. Just fucking be you, man. Yeah. Plus, if you guys haven't figured this out yet, I tell a lot of jokes. They're just fucking jokes. Yeah. If you can't take a fucking joke, then maybe you need to go back to preschool, put that pacifier back into your mouth and learn your ABCs because you're a little goddamn bitch. (laughs) On that note, in 19- another thing about these goddamn bitches. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go in ahead. 1990, he graduated from basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and returned home to enroll at Dutchess County Community College in 1993. Maybe because he couldn't wrestle a bear. <laughs> That's right. I remember. Remember the story I told you. Did I, did I tell you? I told you about Caroline Road Bear, right? About who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But she's going up Caroline Road. Shoot a bar. I want to. I gotta tell that story. I gotta tell that story. So, I was I I, I used to run out to uh, Utah and uh, and Idaho, and then come back to Portland, <coughs> and I'd stay in the Grand Oregon. And uh, the next morning, normal week, I get up and I go next door to the truck stop and uh, from my hotel room and get some coffee. And there's a guy there, and he's trying to he he looks at me and he's he's playing with the coffee grinder. <laughs> he goes. I can't figure it out. I can't get no coffee out of it. Now, there's coffee pots with coffee in them right there. <laughs> he goes, I won't make any coffee. And I go, um, dude, that's Why a coffee. Why does he sound like Hank Hill from? Because <laughs> he wants to sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Damn it, Bubba. <laughs> um, you sounded just like him. Thank you. Thank you. It takes some work. And I go, um, dude, that's a coffee grinder. <laughs> Coffee's over here in these pots. It's Oh, that makes more sense. Well, so bitch. That's right. So bitch. So now I don't even want to talk to the dude. 
Okay, I just want to make my coffee because I know the difference between a coffee pot and a coffee grinder and go on my merry way. Out of nowhere, he goes, hey, me and my friends are going up Caneline Road, shoot a bar. <laughs> and all I could think of was, dude, I wouldn't trust you with a can opener. You, did, you can't even tell the difference between a coffee grinder and a coffee pot. And I'm pro-gun. Don't get me yeah, wrong. You very I'm much are. Very much pro-gun. I don't think this guy should be allowed to fucking have a Nerf gun. Yeah. No, Much less totally. something with an actual metal projectile. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. You can't handle the coffee pot, dude. Maybe nobody should be giving. That got me thinking. If your friends are dumb enough to give you a gun, how dumb are they? Exactly. Christ sakes. I've never been. All of a sudden, I, I started thinking, maybe we need tighter gun laws. Because right? This dude. <laughs> to- totally. Totes, my goats. Homie here doesn't need to be with the. I mean, like, you start him off with something really, really light, like a fucking basic Nerf gun, and you make sure that he's wrapped in bubble wrap and <laughs> in a controlled environment. Right, right. <laughs> Scary shit, dude. Yeah. So, anyways, Francois, when he enrolled in college, was declared a liberal arts major and continued with coursework until 1998. By that point, he had already been hired as a hall and detention monitor at Arlington Middle School. During his time there between 1996 and 1997, several teachers complained about his inappropriate sexual jokes while he touched the hair of female students. Touch my hair. Now, some even nicknamed him Stinky. While his odd behavior likely stood out, it would be quite some time before Francois would be held accountable for his private actions. So private. He was still... So action-y. Shut up. He was still living with his parents and his sister at the time as well. At 99 Fulton Avenue, his mother of all professions was a counselor for the mentally ill. His sister was a college student specializing in family studies. Oh, okay. Yeah, so our researcher says, I can't for the life of me figure out how the two of them wit- missed what was going on right under their noses. As far as I can find, though, his father was retired and just hung out at home all day. Now, the house was reportedly disgusting inside. Hold on, hold on. I want to defend him. You want to know he's just hanging out all day? Why? And he, after we retired, he's worked his ass off. And honest to God, he's tired of your bullshit. He's tired of the kids' bullshit. He's tired of his wife's bullshit. He's like, you know but what? Why my bullshit? He never met me. He, he's tired of everybody's bullshit. He's like, fuck this. I'm just. I just want to sit here. I want to watch a little bit of TV in my tidy whiteies. In my tidy whiteies that are dirty as shit. Because on my this, recliner. On my recliner because this lazy bitch here doesn't do any housework. I'm done. I work. I work forty plus hours a week. I busted my ass for fuck's sakes. Everybody just leave me alone. But what about this? Look, look, kid. Are you on fire? No. Then I'm tired of your shit. Go away. <laughs> That's what I used to tell my son and his friends when they'd scream in the house. I go, "Are you on fire?" No, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I told Jake that. He, <laughs> of course, when he was growing up, he really wasn't a loud screamer, which was great because uh, he, he didn't. He, he wasn't prone to temper tantrums and shit because he's only thrown one in his life. We were in a, a, a Rite Aid or a Walgreens. Well, I think it was a Rite Aid. And he threw himself on the ground. All I had to do was look at him and go, boy, is that how you want this to play out? And he fucking like, didn't just put the brakes on. He put them on so fast. He was rolling smoke. 
<laughs> he was rolling smoke, huh? And he looked at me, no, daddy. And I said, mm, I didn't think you did, weren't you? How come you? he sounds similar to your daughter? <laughs> they all sound the same. I'm serious. Uh, they, they, to me, you know, my, my daughter goes, daddy! <laughs> oh, fuck, what do you want, stalker? Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you're married. Go home and see your husband. Daddy! <laughs> I'm going to take care of you. Jake sounds the same to me. Yeah. Because I'm deaf, and that's, yeah. that's not even a joke. I'm really, I, I'm he, he almost is. completely he deaf. Is. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm an actual fucking deaf musician that does it for a living. It's yeah, fucking weird. Yeah. So the house was reportedly disgusting, even though the family maintained a middle class facade to the outside world. There were syringes among the family pictures, soiled underwear in the kitchen, maggots in the bathroom sink. Oh, I draw the line there, man. Yeah, his sister even slept on a mattress in the direct line of the maggot casings that fell from the ceiling. Ew. uh, Yeah. Now, unbeknownst... Guess I'm not eating this rice now. No shit. Unbeknownst to anyone, Kendall Francois had already begun his murder spree by this time, killing women from the local area and hiding their bodies in his house. I know which guy you're talking about now. Yes. I totally get it. Okay, I was wondering. And yeah. It, it, it wasn't, something was clicking, but it wasn't. And I know this story. Okay, yeah, continue. Yeah. I know this one. Yeah, so on October 24th, 1996, 30-year-old Bayern Mitt- Thirty-year-old. She went to very thirty-year-old. Okay, I got it. A prostitute named Wendy Myers was uh, standing on the corner of Jewett Avenue and Main Street, waiting for Johns. When Francois, in his red '84 Subaru, he's from the West Coast, pulled over. <laughs> he's just a West Coast girl. Yeah, living in a lonely world. Now they haggled over a price that resulted in Wendy getting in the car. She would be driven to his house into his, and taken to a second-floor bedroom where Wendy insisted on being paid first. During Francois' confession to the police, he would remember the incident as she insisted that the sex was over and she had to go. This resulted in him manually strangling the young woman to death. After calming down, he carried her limp body into the bathroom where he washed it before he placed her into a plastic bag and carried her into the attic where it laid until September of 1998. Well, he wanted to double dip with the nacho chip, and she said, no, that's gross. That's gross. Now, two days later, on October 26, Wendy's boyfriend reported her missing. A similar pattern to the first murder occurred on November 11, 1996. The victim this time was Gina Barone. 28-year-old Gina was working on the working the streets that night because of a heated argument with her boyfriend, her boyfriend Byron Kenilworth. Again, it was after sex when Francois got angry, claiming he was ripped off. His hands gripped her neck, her throat so tightly, and he didn't release until she was dead. He killed his second victim, Gina, in his car on the back streets of Poughkeepsie. Damn, Gina. Then he forced you know, her body down under the seats of his car, and he drove back to the safety of his garage, where he would leave Gina's body until the next morning, when it would be placed in a black bag and positioned next to Diane's in the attic. Two days after killing Gina, Kendall Francois killed 31-year-old prostitute Kathy Marsh. Once again, Kathy... Fr- once again, Francois suddenly became angry and squeezed Kathy's throat until he broke her neck and she went limp. After carrying the body from his bedroom, he washed her corpse in the bathroom before moving it into the attic with the other victims. Hey, he's got a collection, man. However, she wouldn't be reported missing until March 7th of 1997. 
And then prostitute Kathleen Hurley disappears. Um, her body was finally recovered from the house of Kendall along with seven others later. Kath Kathleen Hurley had not been seen for three days when she was reported missing on January 15, 1997. Mary Giacone would disappear in February of 97, but she wasn't reported missing until November 13th of 1997. Her body would be recovered decomposing in the attic of the Francois residence in September of 97. No, in September of 97, Michelle Eason would disappear and her body was never recovered. The Poughkeepsie Journal would highlight the disappearance of the women during December 1997, asking, is there a serial killer loose? The police decided to ask the working girls for help in solving the mystery. A name that came up several times in the conversations was the name of Kendall Francois. He was a black fella, right? Yes. Okay, that is, that's exactly what I'm not, I'm not saying that just no. from a racial joke no. or anything, but... No, I just wanted to make sure I was thinking of the exact yeah. same person that, I, that yeah. I thought I was. So the women complained that he was extremely aggressive and violent during sex. On January 18, 1998, the police had followed Francois to the red light district of Main Street when they pulled him over and took him in for questioning. A polygraph was done with respect to the missing women and Francois passed with flying colors. Now, he's again cruising the streets of Poughkeepsie on January 23rd. Hey, that's my birthday. 23rd of 1998 when he spots Laura Gallagher. Francois successfully convinced the prostitute to join him back at his house for sex. During sex in his bedroom, his hands grasped the neck of his captive, squeezing hard until Laura was unconscious. However, she did not give up easily and quickly regained consciousness. She fought back and managed to get out from under her attacker's massive weight and demanded to be taken back to Main Street immediately. He calmed down and reluctantly agreed to return her to where he picked her up. Now, after being dropped off, Laura told one of her fellow prostitutes about what had happened, who then in turn relayed the incident to a member of the vice squad. Laura was brought in for questioning later that day and gave a statement about the attack, but she would not sign the deposition until a month later on February 26th. When Laura finally signed her statement, Francois was arrested immediately. Now, his trial began in May, but Francois, due to his guilty plea, would only be sentenced to 15 days. After a whopping seven days, he was released, and four weeks later, he claimed another victim. The assault trial began on May 18th, with Francois pleading guilty to third-degree assault, and he was out by May 25th. 51-year-old, soon-to-be grandmother, Sandra French, would become Kendall Francois' latest victim on June 12, 1998. As with the other victims, Sandra would be manually strangled during sex. And again, she would be taken to the bathroom where she was bathed, dried, and carried up to the attic. Hey, at least she's cleaning them, right? Well, that's just you know, cleaner bodies than, uh, than his house is. Yeah. However, by now, the attack was going to... Un oh, the attic was getting overcrowded, and so the next day, Francois carried Sandra's body down into the basement, placing her on the floor while he dug a shallow grave into the crawl space where she was interred and covered with loose dirt. Audrey Puglies, that poor woman, would, that's a fucked up name. Yeah, would join her in the crawl space on August twelfth. Audrey was a prostitute working Knoxon Street when Francois pulled up. Audrey recognized one of her regulars and quickly negotiated a price. Oh, short. And she gets into the car. Sorry about that. Francois, what did you drop with the fuck over my there? My mod. Oh, okay. Francois drove his companion to the house and headed down to the basement. Unfortunately for Audrey, he be, 
he once again flipped out during sex and began punching her in the face. Um, she managed to struggle free from under attacker's massive weight and made for the basement door in freedom, but she never made it. Francois pulled her back and carried on punching her around the head and face, and she fell to the floor, but the attack did not stop. He used his foot and came crashing down hard on her face and her ribs and again on her stomach. She tried to get up off the floor, but the, but he grabbed her by the neck and prevented her. He would not release their grip and his grip until she was dead. Her body was dumped on top of Sandra French's in the crawl space. Now, 13 days later, August 25th, Kendall would commit his final murder. 25-year-old Katina Newmaster was another regular Francois red light district visits. And once the price was negotiated, she got into the car. She would soon be lying on the floor of the garage dead. The next day she was buried in the crawl space. The forensic team would close their investigation at the home of Kendall Francois almost after almost four weeks of searching for evidence. October 13, 1998, a grand jury handed down an indictment containing eight counts of second-degree murder and one count of second-degree attempted assault on Diane Franco. The next day, Kendall Francois was formally arraigned with Rudolph Treese as his attorney and in front of relatives of his victims. He pled not guilty on all counts. Rudolph, the red-nosed lawyer, <laughs> right? had a very stinky client. <laughs> his name was Kendall Francois. He smelled like garbage. <laughs> yeah. He, so this ended his brief appearance in court at the time, and he left the courtroom. As he left the courtroom, he was smiling to himself. Knowing that his client was guilty based on the overwhelming evidence, Rudolph attempted to cut a deal with the DA. He requested a deal involving a life sentence for Francois in exchange for playing, pleading guilty and no death sentence. It was rejected by Bill Grady. At 2 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 1998, Bill Grady announced that the death penalty would be sought in the case of Kendall Francois. Oh, yeah, think, man? This is yeah. just a fucking total prick. Dressed in standard prison orange and with his ankle shackled, Francois would make another appearance in Judge Dolan's courtroom on June 22nd of 2000. It is normal procedure for the defendant to affirm his plea, and so the questions of guilt were again asked of Kendall. However, this time, the answer was guilty in all eight murder cases, and again guilty in the assault of Diane Franco. Francois would also state that no other person helped him in committing the crimes. His attorney would also tell the court that Francois was HIV positive. Karma, bitch. <laughs> that was our, you know, researcher. Under plea bargaining on August 8, 2000, Francois received 25 years to life against each murder charge to be served consecutively, therefore resulting in a total sentence of 200 years. In addition, he would receive between one and a half and three years for the assault. No appeal would be allowed due to the plea bargain. His sentence would be served at Attica, which we all know is not a good prison. Attica! Attica! Right. I'm sorry, because we're talking about Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> and if y'all don't know what that movie is, it's a John Travolta movie about disco. And if you say disco's dead, close your whore mouth, disco's still alive and well. In September 2014, Francois, then 43, died in prison after serving 16 years. He died from testicular cancer Sweet. and complications from being HIV positive. Karma, dude. Testicular cancer. That's a fuck nut cancer. That's fucked up, dude. No, no shit, on. yo. I mean, damn. 
So what are your thoughts on Francois? He's a fucking piece of shit. I'm glad he's dead. I yeah. Take seriously. I, I, I watched a documentary, uh, you know, a docuseries episode on him and about the maggots and shit. I'm just like, how could you that's not how know? I, that's how I got into I saw a docuseries. It was a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. But no, it just it pisses me off because once again, it's people attacking hookers. You know? Yeah, that and, too. And while I've said before, seriously, I've never purchased a hooker ever. I've never been with a prostitute. However, I've talked to a few and shit like that. Um, and it, uh, these are real, these are regular fucking people, man. And it just, it always seems like nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, except totally. For, except for Rochester, New York. Yeah. Oh, Rochester. yeah. Rochester, man. So. Especially I, since some of these weren't reported missing for almost a year. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, fucking Tracy's gone. Fuck her. We don't care. It's yeah. ridiculous. I got her clients now. Yeah, I got her clients now. All right. Let's wrap this one up because we're at the end of the week. Remember. Couple of things. Number one, like I said, check out TSI Scooters. Um, let me pull up their website actually, because I've got it right fucking here. Wow. At TSI Scooters.com. And uh, hey, man, if you send them an email, tell them that uh, that I said hi. You know, yeah, I, I talked to you. I talked to Matthew Tom uh, all the time. Me and Matt are, are, are tight. Great. Great, great guy, man. You you can't work with honestly. Well, I I honestly don't think that uh, that anybody works with a better band than I do. Yeah, because the, these guys are fan fucking tastic. But yeah, check out tsiscooters dot com. Give him a hand with his business because and he's been in business a long freaking time. So yeah, it, he's uh, he's not new to the game. Yeah. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website www.twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. This show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And we will talk to you sexy guys and girls next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.